Hey friend, I'm Tanisha Sela and you're listening to the Life of an Empath podcast. I'm an empath, Akashic Records reader, and intuitive guide. I'm exactly what you would expect a modern day mystic to be. I meditate, I'm a crystal lover, sporadic yogi, and I believe in love and universal goodness. I help high-level creatives, empaths, and teams achieve emotional clarity and allow them to utilize intuition as business strategy. On this podcast, I share stories about my personal spiritual journey, the lessons that I'm learning through my clients, and life as a wife and mom of two toddlers. Welcome to my life. Let's get started. On today's episode, we have Luann Watley-Belk. Lou is a rising birth educator and the writer and creator of wellworthwatering.com. It's a blog and a community that centers the maternal health stories of Black women and basically highlights her life and her professional journey. Um, She uses her blog not only to challenge herself to use her voice and creativity, but to nourish the Black women um, in the Black maternal health care space. So today we're going to be talking about a Black woman's roadmap, an intuitive guide to a holistic birthing experience. Um, And I'm so excited. Lou, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be having this conversation. I'm excited to have you here. This is very exciting. I think this is so needed, right? Um, And uh, timely to be talking about um, Black women um, and especially highlighting us not just in um, our daily interactions with race, right, but also in a very specific way, in a very specific way that needs greater awareness. And that for sure is um, the Black maternal space. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Uh, We are in the middle of a global pandemic, right? And in this country in particular, we are in the middle of a lot of upheaval. Um, but the interesting thing is we really have been pulling back the layers of what control over our lives and situations look like. And I think that it is timely to address what an, a holistic birthing experience looks like and feels like for uh, Black birthing parents because, you know, when you really think about all of the uncertainty happening right now, and you begin to center the fact that babies are still being born, right? You really begin to understand what you need and what you and your baby and your birthing family need to thrive. So this is a very timely conversation. I'm I'm excited to have it with you. Yay! Um, So let's start at the beginning. A lot of my listeners have heard my birthing story and know what my first pregnancy was like and what it wasn't like. It definitely was not as picturesque or dreamy as I would have hoped it to be. Mm. So today we're going to be talking about how you can have a more ideal pregnancy and a birth experience. So let's get started with um, defining how holistic birthing like what it is um, and what we need to do before we get pregnant. So what is the definition of holistic birthing? 
Well, if you look at holistic, right, the word and just take it real simple, we see the interconnection of the mind, the body and the spirit. And so when you think about holistic birth, it really is taking a step back, step back and considering, you know, what is the state of your mindset going into this process of becoming a new parent or adding a child to your family? Um, what is the state of your health, right, physically? And what challenges do we face specifically as Black women and Black birthing people that uh, can uh, raise our, our risk factor in and out of the uh, medical system, right? And I'll jump into that a little bit more uh, later in the conversation. And then, of course, the, the big one that I'm glad is getting resurgence now, the spirit, right? I think a lot of, well, I, in my opinion, the standard medical system really does not address uh, the spirit and the mind aspect of birthing. I think that's been completely removed. And as I said, it's it's coming back, right? Because when we look at a lot of the work that's happening in our, in our communities around midwives and doulas, we really see them bringing back, frankly, an ancestral connection to what it means to birth and what it means to um, approach birth in a holistic way that takes into account all three of those things. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, um the spiritual aspect is truly important. I think we are bringing back mid midwives and doulas, but not quickly enough, right? Yeah. Um, because yeah. when you think about a holistic birth, it's supposed to be a less invasive process. And in that, we're supposed to be relying on more than just our body um, and just the mechanics of a medical doctor, the Western medicine effect, right? You begin to rely on your spiritual foundation and your intuition. And in this more holistic approach, you give yourself an opportunity as a woman to experience your divinity through this very basic function, right? This very ancient mystical circumstance that is our procreation. Right. Um, but in our Western uh, aspect, right? We, we, we forget about this um, and we don't have enough support. And especially as black women, we are not able to be honest um, about the support that we need. And sometimes that's not just within the medical setting, right? That's also within our own families and with our own situation. So uh, I feel that holistic aspects of your birth are critical when it comes to the spiritual aspect because, um, you know, there's a natural fluctuation of your emotional landscape throughout pregnancy. And that's not just because you're a first time mom, because as a second time mom, you know, every pregnancy is different, right? Um, yep. So when we consider a holistic approach, we are giving ourselves an opportunity at emotional clarity um, and setting ourselves and our new baby up for uh, a beautiful, fresh start. But somebody out there is probably asking themselves right now as they're listening, why are we signaling out Black mothers in particular here? Mm. Tell well, us about that. Absolutely. So we're singling out Black mothers because Black women are, and you know, it's interesting, this statistic sadly has been repeated so many times, but it can never have enough power when said, right? Black women 
So you and I, Tanisha, as Black women, are four times as likely to die in birth or as a result of complications in postpartum than our white counterparts. There is a particular statistic that says the more educated, the more accomplished a Black woman is, is actually her risk factor is, is higher than a white woman with a high school diploma, right? Staggering, staggering. So the fact that we put emphasis on the holistic birthing experience for Black women is not only timely, but I think uh, just, right? Um, When we take a step back further and remove race from it, the way we do birth in this country really is, as you said, removing the spirit and putting all of the trust on the medical system. And while I, I per se don't completely throw like the baby out with the bathwater, we really have to look at the origins of how birth became to be this way in this country, period. And when you dig under that and you look at um, particularly home births um, being uh, not abolished, but just completely falling away from the norm and being transferred to the hospital setting, um, you really begin to see a lot of Black women being completely written out of that, right? Some parts of this country, they're the, the granny midwives, as, as, as we call them, the granny midwives, the grandmothers, the women that were really responsible for bringing new life into the world, who, by the way, had to do that because we as Black women couldn't go to hospitals, um, eventually became outlawed. It was against the law for them to practice and do what they did for so many generations. So I single out Black women because, first of all, we deserve a beautiful, whole birthing experience. And I wanna just say this, Tanisha, just surviving birth is not enough. So when we define what a holistic birth experience is for a Black woman, that birthing parent just coming out of that experience alive and with their baby alive is not enough. That's that's baseline, (laughs) in my opinion, because when you look at the experience a lot of us are having, there's a lot of trauma wrapped around that. There's a lot of uh, implicit and unconscious bias in the experiences in our prenatal care. There's a lot of um, ignoring of the pain that we may be experiencing afterward. Very notably, Serena Williams um, had that experience in her postpartum where she literally had to diagnose her own, uh, I believe it was a pulmonary embolism. Yes. So, so the great Serena Williams, right? So I single out Black women because um, of the statistics, and it is a just and right thing to do um, for not only us to advocate and educate and create community and covering for ourselves, but to stand up to the system that truly was never created for us to thrive, right? For many women to not thrive, but especially not us, mm-hmm. to say to them, we deserve this. And while you get your stuff together, we are also going to continue to do the work we've been doing for so long. Right. I mean, these statistics like literally take me out every time I hear them because I know what they are. And I'm familiar with uh, the awareness that we need to have when we are going through the birth process. But every time you hear it, it's just crazy. Um, 
And it just always takes me back to my experience because I, being an educated Black woman um, that had insurance um, and definitely went to the doctor for the initial pregnancy test and for the, you know, as early as eight weeks, I think that's the first time you start going and getting the regular checks. And it was just such a a thing. It was very mechanical. I never felt like I could be honest about how I was really feeling, like what I was really going through. There was such a disconnect with, with that whole process. And um, I would try to talk to my, my mother about it. And, you know, I realized in this, my mom being a baby boomer and a black woman that grew up in the fifties um, in the South, she was very disconnected, yes. uh, very disconnected. And, you know, I talked to her just yesterday about this and I was asking her, mom, is it possible that you were very naive going into the process and that you just completely gave your power away? And that's why you felt that everything was going okay and going to be okay because you didn't have any agency in the process because you gave it away all to, you know, the white doctor in the 80s that was, you know, the whoever was attending, you know, my birth and, and my brother's birth, right? right. Um, but she was very disconnected from the concept of postpartum. She said, I didn't experience that, you know? Um, and, you know, we don't, right? She said, we don't like talking about the women on her side of the family um, experience that we don't go through that. Um, and it was very, it was shocking to experience that with her. Um, and I won't say that I had um, an, an extensive postpartum situation or anything like that, but I do know that I felt very uncomfortable um, when they would do the depression and anxiety check when we were during the checkup process uh, throughout the, the prenatal care. Um, and I never felt like at any point I could be honest about um, what I was really feeling or what I was really experiencing, even when I had some black doctors. Um, I felt like the person that I interacted with the most was the white nurse practitioner. Um, did you take your vitamins? You know, you have to do this, you know, I have to do that. And I'm like, I'm wondering, do I need to write down that I did, you know, not only have a third grade education, but I do, you know, have um, a degree, you know, and, you know, because I felt like she would, she was talking down with me. Um, and what I, what I've learned since then is that we are less likely to have someone to be raw about our experience with. Um, and I, I know this from my personal experience, but I was actually surprised when I was reading um, We Live for the We. Have you, have you read that by Danny McLean? Yes, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm rereading it actually. <laughs> Girl, it changed my life. And I didn't realize I was so happy like three years late, right? But to be validated in the fact that we don't have people that we can be raw with. And the entire book was such an eye-opener and something that I not only wish that was available before I got pregnant, but something that I would recommend to all Black mothers because it's so much to consider at every stage of the process. But I'm telling you, the first chapter of that book was just like, we don't have people that we can talk to. That's another reason to single out Black mothers um, and to highlight um, just the survival mode that it puts us in 
Um, and yep. you know, I never felt throughout my pregnancy that I was having that idealistic pregnancy that you have on like in the movies and TV, right? Like I wasn't having that type of experience. I was uh, always anxious whenever I went to the doctor. I didn't know what was going to come next. Um, obviously I was high risk because I was 35. I didn't know that I was going to be considered geriatric and all the emotions and whatnot that come with that. So when you talk about holistic experience, um, I feel like considering a holistic approach should be mandatory for black women in this country. Does that make sense? Like it should be something that we have direct access to. Like it shouldn't just be the medical doctors, but because of all of the, the ways in which we have been forced to uh, to perceive motherhood and to show up in motherhood, we just need an extra layer. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I, I do. I mean, all of the things that you are saying really resonate with the reason why I started Well Worth Watering. I, the name Well Worth Watering suggests Absolutely. suggests we we are worth it and we are a, a well, right, of of love and covering and information. And we need to actively water ourselves. So the point that you made about you being shocked at how disconnected your mother was from her experience, I'm sure everyone can tell a story like that about their, either their mom or women in their family. Uh, I felt the same with my mom and was actually very surprised to, to on the flip side, hear how open she was to the idea of home birth because I, I had my second child at home, right? So the the covering and the fortifying that we need right is immense not just right now but i just think as as we as we uh progress into the future and i want to say that the point that you made about the mental health aspect can we just can we just hone in on that for a second it's oh, yeah. so so important uh, there was a Philadelphia Inquirer article that I read several months back that talked about the same thing, thing that you resonated with, Tanisha, with moms not being honest when they uh, get uh, the, I, I don't know what to call it, the, the, the interview or the scales when you have to check off, you know, are you feeling sad? How many times have you cried? Yes. How many times have you felt joy? You know, one of the problems with some of those tools is that they are culturally insensitive, right? Because some of the things that they're asking is like, ah, I don't really have these outlet as a black woman. You know, it, it's, it's, they are not made to make you feel comfortable. And I, I think it's, I hope it's not a reach me saying this, but I feel like, you know, culturally, we tend to open up more when we trust people and we feel that they really have our best interest at heart. So as you said with your uh, nurse, if you feel like she is condescending to you, if you feel like she really doesn't have a vested interest in you thriving and your new baby thriving, if you feel like they, there's apathy, then you're not going to open up to her. You're not going to tell her the truth. You feel judged. Uh, you feel unloved. So why would you tell the truth about you, you crying as soon as the baby is out of sight or crying while breastfeeding or why would you open up? So the work that needs to be done that is happening. And there's so many amazing organizations that are doing that kind of work. The one that comes to forefront of my mind is uh, holding, 
it's 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 a campaign that basically says we need to hold the mother everyone's holding the baby who's holding the mother absolutely it's so critical it's so critical um we're we're not opening up uh we as you said in the we live for the we book we don't feel validated we don't feel listened to we we feel like where do i really go and that is why community is so essential it's it's really a big goal for me with well worth watering to just create another space where we feel like we will be listened to we will be validated validated we don't even have to think about it we it's it's assumed that we will be held right right for sure i think uh we're on to a lot of important things and it's funny because uh when you talk about the the white nurse practitioner you know i didn't even notice it at, at, at first i didn't even know that that was something that i was doing until um the days that i would get the black nurse practitioner and i would find myself being more open with her instantly i mm -hmm. felt that she cared about me. I could just feel it in her eyes, you know, that she was just, you know, I could see it. I could feel it that I was loved. And I didn't even think about that as a part of the process that we needed to consider that we do need to be loved through the process. Um, but intuition, now, you know, I think intuition plays a role in all the things, but how do you feel um, intuition shows up in the pregnancy and birthing process? How should it show up? Wow, that's a wonderful question. So when we think about uh, pregnancy and birthing uh, in the model that it is right now, there is no understanding the knowledge that you bring to the table that is not book knowledge, right? And so when I think about intuition, um, I think trust, I think understanding that you are a part of um, an experience that has been happening since millennia. Um, I think about really like sinking in to uh, your body and your mind and really trying to understand how you can come through this process transformed. And I think that for me, that was the biggest differences between my first and second birth. I came in similar to you wanting a, you know, beautiful, non-medicated birth, um, and I thought that I would get that in the hospital setting um, with the things that I had, right? Like I had a doula and I had taken a couple classes. But when you think about intuition um, and the role it plays in birthing, it was completely removed from mine. And I think that the role it plays is understanding that you have to trust your body to do what it will do understanding that um, advocating uh, for yourself and having people on your team to advocate for you if you're not in the position to do so um, is a big piece of that. And, you know, again, back to my experiences, um, I didn't, I, I, I wanted a specific outcome without trusting my intuition um, and my body. Um, and so that resulted in me, I didn't come through with trauma or anything like that, but I, I, I wasn't satisfied with my experience. I ended up getting an epidural that didn't work. And interestingly enough, I was forced to rely on my intuition, right? Because I came into the process thinking it was going to be a certain way. And honestly, Tanisha, like from, I think the middle of that pregnancy, my intuition told me 
that I shouldn't have been in the hospital setting. My intuition told me at several appointments that my OB was not the right OB for me, but I didn't listen. Mm-hmm. I did not listen, right? And so I just kept going along and I was like, no, 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 I have to trust them because I don't really trust myself that much, right? Mm-hmm. So when I, uh, when, when I was induced and in the hospital, I was like, okay, okay, we're going through this. I ended up shutting down because on the education aspect, I didn't realize that induced birth um, has a higher rate of, it ends in a higher rate of cesarean. Because when you create those false contractions using the Pitocin, that's usually what they use, mm-hmm. um, not only are the contractions more intense, but they don't give that natural uh, rest action phase, that natural contractions yes. go through. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I just completely hit a wall and I was like, I can't do this no more. Let me get the epidural, <laughs> which I did. But interestingly, and I, I think back and I smile. Everyone can't see me smiling, but hopefully they can hear it. I smile because I'm so grateful for the intuition that I still got in that process because I ended up getting the epidural and it was just enough to take the edge off so that I could rest. So when I finally discovered it wasn't working com- completely, I could still feel every contraction on one side of my uterus. Wow. I was like, what's happening? And they were like, oh, you know, some people have a window, you know, we can take it out and put it back in. And my intuition was like, nope, not today. I'm going to do this. I came this far. It was like something other than me was speaking and acting. But it was me. And it was my intuition. And I was finally trusting myself. So I labored the rest of the way. And my doula helped flip me from side to side. Because when you have an epidural, you can't move around the way you can in an unmedicated birth because you literally have this tube, you know, attached to your spine. And also you can't walk. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So it came back, like my intuition came back. It was like, it sank back into me. And I understood the goal in this is not perfection. The goal is to come through this experience transformed and learning and believing in something new about yourself. And that happened for me. And I'm so grateful that it happened the way it did, because guess what? The next time I just, when I became pregnant again, I said to myself, I know what I want now. I know what I need now. And I fully trust that my intuition is going to get me the outcome that I'm hoping for. Right. And so that resulted in me making new, uh, making different decisions. I wasn't making decisions out of fear. Right. I was choosing a team that, again, would really love on me and water me the way I needed to be. The education I thought I had about the birthing process with my daughter, totally different. It was a whole different ballgame with my son. So I see intuition as an integral part of uh, birth, pregnancy, postpartum, right? Yes. It's huge. Yes. Everything you said, like, uh, right there with you, like, I completely, like, I feel like in some way, like, we had similar experiences the first time around, but you know, the thing about it is, for me, being so connected, like, that little voice was right there all along, but when you are under the influence of these doctors, it's really hard to speak out against that, because you're like, yes, you know, I know what I feel, you know, and I know I'm feeling him, like in my case, you know, picking up other people's energies. But at the same time, it's like, it's hard to 
go against that. You know, I'm thinking I keep replaying all of the things that they've been feeding me all of this time. Oh, mm -hmm. you're over 35. Oh, you're high risk. Oh, you need a high risk doctor. Oh, we need more blood work. Oh, we need more this. So I'm thinking, how do I challenge them, even though I know that this baby is going to be okay? And if you listen to my first episode about the, the birth, you know, I had that one and only vision. I knew she was going to be okay because I knew I saw her coming out, you know, on my, as a result of me being on my hands and knees, you know, but I just didn't even trust that enough anymore because they were feeding me all of these things. But yeah. what I hope for other Black women is that they know that it can start an intuition. Like you don't need to rely on this intuition or this vision or this moment to come to you, but having intuitive guidance can be a start and a finish to your process, you know, Absolutely. in the fourth and fifth trimester, right? Because, um, you need to feel connection to the baby. One of the things that I felt um, as we started to get into trouble um, that 36 week um, and as her amniotic fluid started to, to leave um, was that I started to feel disconnected from her because I was like, you know, she's not going to make it. And it's like, I was already in the survival mode, which I wouldn't have even called it that at this, at that time. Right. But what I know now is that I was already in survival mode and then to survive something happening to her, potentially I needed to disconnect from her in some way. And I was kind of getting mad at everything, but what would it have looked like if I had someone to hold more emotional space for me um yeah. versus just the very i don't know very basic things i guess that my mom was telling her oh why don't you just sing to the baby why don't you trying to stimulate her like that why don't you just rub your belly more i remember her saying that when i was taking one of the final um non-stress tests and i was like saying like what like are you know are we, am i getting admitted are we getting out of here is something going to happen to her is she going to be hooked up to machines you know that was the merry-go-round that i was on in my head and i feel like you know i wish that like i wish that i could have shown up as me like a separate part of me to hold space for myself emotionally do you know what i mean i wish that in the emotional clarity that i offer my clients and i, I take them through you know one problem that they have and explore all of the different emotions what would it have looked like for somebody to come and explore or are you feeling guilt um what is the anxiety related to you know what um how are you not showing up in truth for yourself here? Those type of things. And I think that um, we, we, we look back at intuition um, in hindsight a lot of the times. And I would like for Black mothers to know that they can be armed with their intuition um, in foresight and through another person. And it doesn't always have to rely on you just because we're talking about, you know, intuition. And I think our disconnect from spirituality sometimes doesn't allow for all the possibilities um, that are available to us. Yeah. Um, and how somebody could just be on the phone with you a thousand miles away and know exactly what you're experiencing, exactly what you need to hear, exactly what is going to move that energy for you so that you can show up in clarity. And then that in itself reactivates your own intuition, right? So no, I agree a hundred percent. I see uh, that intuitive role as an integral part of the team. 
So we talk about possible midwives that, by the way, deliver in and out of, out of the hospital setting. Yep. Uh, we talk about doulas. We talk about lactation consultants. But the idea of an intuitive guide is completely like, oh, what's that? Right. But for all of the reasons that we just mentioned, someone there to hold space for you, someone there to help you access that part of you that knows, that knows, or maybe doesn't know and, and needs some nudging in the right direction. Right. Um, someone to be able to make sure you're not making decisions out of fear. So that if you are fear, feeling fearful, you can sit and say, well, what is this fear trying to tell me? Do I need to get more information? Am I having a funny feeling about this person, this, this uh, medical person's intentions? What is the fear telling me? And, you know, I think that there are a lot of doulas, awesome uh, black doulas and doulas of color and doulas, you know, white doulas too, that hold that kind of space. But that role that you're bringing um, really is essential because it digs into a place that I feel like we haven't considered enough in life and especially uh, not in uh, birthing, not just birthing, but because I think I just, this is sort of a caveat. I think when we talk about birth, we think about like maybe pre-pregnancy, pregnancy, the actual delivery and that's it. Right. But I'm talking about pregnancy to six months and possibly a little bit longer. That whole spectrum, what does that look like? Um, what are the changes that we go through that we could value, we could, excuse me, gain so much value from by having uh, an intuitive guide to, to help us process um, those feelings? Yeah, absolutely. And I also think um, more than process, foster connection too, because at every stage that you're talking about, I'm thinking about how you connect, you know? When you're pre-pregnancy, you're trying to connect with the concept of what it'll be like to be pregnant. When you get mm -hmm. pregnant, you're trying to connect with the concept of what your child will be like when you can finally see their face, you know, when you can mm -hmm. finally hold them. We're talking about afterwards when you feel like vacant feeling and you all you've had is this, you know, person in your belly and now they're like a real person and you're taking care of a whole nother person and that postpartum period when you start to feel like what body am I even in, you know? Um, so connection, I think is really important. And, you know, with the Akashic records specifically, you know, it's all about purpose, purpose with a person, purpose with, um, you know, your own soul purpose. So it's like when you're talking about purpose, you're talking about connection to something or someone. And I think that has infinite possibilities um, for all of us at any stage of our lives, but especially um, when we're talking about caring for another human being. Absolutely. Um, but I could talk about intuition all day. What the people <laughs> want to know is, um, what are the current shortcomings with how Black women view birth today? And, and how did we get here? What do you think? Mm. So I think that Black women, if you say, if you ask Black women as a whole how you view, how they view birth, I think you would get a lot of different perspectives. Um, so I shy away from giving like a blanket answer, but I think that every Black woman would resonate with the fact that we don't feel completely seen uh, and validated with the standard birth uh, that, that is the case in this country, right? Um, one of the biggest shortcomings is that we are not understanding 
the transformation of the, the, the opportunity for transformation in this experience, because we are so inundated with the outcomes that we see for ourselves. So we come into the process afraid. Mm-hmm. And I just mentioned, you know, making decisions out of fear is, I mean, it's detrimental. You said it yourself in your own experiences. Their doctors are telling you this and they're making you feel terribly old, which, you know, the term geriatric, it's just, it's so sad. Um, but one of the biggest things that I think that we can capitalize on right now is seeking out celebrating and connecting with the community-led organizations and collectives that are coming out of this this, uh, drought that we find ourselves in, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They are out there and they are ready and willing to help and educate us. I mean, that was one of the reasons why I decided to uh, start Well Worth Watering with not only the hopes of sharing our stories and creating that validating that we need and that community that we need, and there can never be enough of those, right? But really helping to share those resources for the women that need them. Yeah, yeah, I think that's important. I feel like we really don't understand all of our options. I think for some people, for some women, it is particularly harder for them to seek out resources that you really do have to dig to find though yeah you do yeah with the the women women that i work with and come across i mean a lot of women are dealing with just regular anxiety you know just day to day not just with pregnancy um, or struggling with self-esteem and struggling with confidence issues and with those type of situations it doesn't make you confident to seek out options you know you know and i think that we don't believe that we have enough options to consider. Um, We need to make, um, we need to normalize um, our birth experience so that we know that these are the places that we go to. Do you know what I mean? Like, what if it was normal to get a doctor or a midwife, automatically get a doula, automatically have a birth educator, automatically have an intuitive guide all built into the process, then that would be you know, um, that would be better so that we wouldn't have to seek out so much. Like we have to seek out too much. Um, and I'm not sure that we, we just don't advocate for ourselves as much throughout the process as we should. And that just goes back to what we said about um, intuition. You know, we don't trust ourselves. Um, so we defer to um, the healthcare team. And I'm not even really sure why we got away from um, midwives, you know, as the standard to begin with, other than just the healthcare industry needing to dominate. And that is what funds that industry, like making it, you know, mandatory for you to be supervised by a doctor as a midwife or, you know, just taking that experience out. But it's still crazy to me that, like being from the South, you can't even find a midwife in the South. That's just yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. The history there, the history there is rich. If you're, if your listeners ever want to do the research, the history there is, is, is very rich because when you think about how babies were born across the board, you know, in the 1800 or since the beginning of time, they were born in homes. Right. But as you, as we progressed, uh, it became, 
as you said, the medical system began to take over. And let me just say that system was dominated by white males, one of which in particular conducted his, I don't even know what to call them, horrific experiments on black slaves. So that's why I say that, you know, really doing the research and and finding out what the root of modern day gynecology and and obstetrics is, is very revealing. Um, but when we think about how it transitioned, it became, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm having a, I'm a little bit more higher class when I have my baby in the hospital. And I'm not even talking about black women yet, just women in general. Right, right, right. Now I'm having a better experience. So then you saw more women moving into that space. And while that was happening and while the domination was happening, these black midwives and what they did, their work literally became like criminalized, specifically in the South. Yes. 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 So, you know, it's, 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 it's really insidious. I can't find another word for it. Um, So then you see the loss of, as you said, this handing down from mother to daughter and generations of this like knowledge and this, this, this comfort and safety of, you know, I know there's a granny midwife in my community, right? I don't have to go too far to find it. We get, we got separated from that. yeah. You know, it's crazy because, you know, talking to you about this, it almost feels like you need a degree in gynecology to survive your birth experience. You know, like all of these things that you need to know is just crazy um, in how we've gotten here. And, you know, it's just like everything else in the world today. You can't believe that it's 2020 and you have to seek out options that are under a rock somewhere regarding um, something that is so ancient and that should have progressed, but not progressed in a way that feels um, that we have so narrow of an option to do that in, the, in a time like, you know, 2020. Um, but one of the things that I was thinking about uh, for this question specifically about how we have gotten here and what are the shortcomings, I think considering my personal experience, I believe we're too dependent on the help that we think we'll receive when, mm. when giving birth. Um, I certainly didn't have the support I thought I would, um, even though I had moved all the way across the country for it. <laughs> um, but it was a, a constant dance with my mom, um, with, um, especially after the baby was born, with giving us enough space and then her offering help and, and getting complicated. Uh, that getting complicated, like not wanting to be too much um, with my husband or whatnot. And that speaks to so many other things. But I was talking to a friend and she experienced something similar. Like, I think that, um, you know, we are definitely stronger than we know and we need less support um, than we think that we need at the, like at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Like I thought that my mom was going to be every single thing for me. Do you know what I mean? At the end of the birth, but she didn't. So, you know, that, that doula that I wished I could have found in the South, um, that was going to look like my grandmother and come and do all the things that give me all the knowledge. You know, I just think that we're a best friend or a best friend. Or best yeah. friend or yeah. somebody. I just think we need to get clear on that because I think when you think about, you know, our view of birth and how we got here, 
it is about that oral thing. And I thought that that was going to be a fixture. Like I thought my mom was going to be a fixture and she absolutely was not a fixture. So we do need to have um, other options. I mean, do we need the help? We need all the help that we can get. I'm not saying that we don't need help, but we don't need to be committed to how that help shows up, right? Like, because it can manifest in many different ways. And I think um, my internal dialogue was have a baby, mom's gonna be there indefinitely. Mom's gonna cook, mom's gonna do this, mom's gonna tell me all the things that I need to know and that didn't happen. So mm -hmm. if I had to do it all over again, I would re revisit that story that I had going on in my head. Does that make sense? It does, but really quick question for you. Did you discuss with your mom your expectations of what you assumed would be your postpartum support? I didn't because I was assuming. I assumed yeah. that she was going to be there um, because plan A was, you know, when we were in Maryland was that she was going to come up for several weeks and she would have been a fixture because she would have been staying with us. But when that turned into plan B and I moved back down to the South, she was, you know, 11 minutes away. So obviously I thought, well, I mean, maybe it's not obvious. Don't assume people, don't assume. Um, but obvious, I, you know, obviously I thought that she was gonna be right there. And I definitely didn't think there was gonna be a dance with boundaries and whatnot. You know, obviously I needed my mom to show me how to be a mom and how to, um, take care of this little baby and um i didn't i didn't have that um it was complicated it was more complicated than i thought it was going to be so yeah um, i you know it, it it i ask because i think that a lot of us have those same assumptions so don't feel bad for assuming all of us have those same assumptions but you know going back to that intuitive role and uh, the, excuse me, the role of intuition in this process and going back to what it means to have a holistic experience, really sinking into, well, what am I going to need? What do I, what do I even think I'm going to need? Because oftentimes, like, especially if you have your first baby, you're so overwhelmed with the reality versus like what you thought it was going to be like, I knew it was going to be hard, but this is hard, right? Really sitting down and thinking about um, what you need, who's going to bring you food, who's going to help you to, you know, it's it's a lot and i think we really do have to ask ourselves that question you know for me same experience with you i had my daughter she's my first and my mom you know she it was like she was going to come down she wasn't as close as yours was but she came down with me for a week and when i look back i'm like man i wish i had a stronger voice because i would have been like i need you to be here for three weeks <laughs> i need you to be here for three weeks um and then with my son you know, she said to me, well, you've been through it. You've been through it once. Like, you, you're good, right? She was literally asking me, like, you've been through it once. Like, you, you know the, the rigmarole. Never mind, I have two whole children now. Never mind any of that. Never mind. It doesn't matter if it's your first or your tenth. Moms need that support. They need that. Even if it's people taking shifts, if possible, right? Um, and, and again, the intuition left. And I said, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'll, I'll be good. Cause I didn't ask for what I needed. And you know, my recovery with my son physically felt faster, but emotionally, oh, Tanisha, <laughs> it, it was, it was rougher. It was rougher because I needed that community. I needed, as you said, to get on the phone with someone to, to help validate those feelings I was feeling. I couldn't really 
get much of that um, from my friends because at the end of the day, they want what's best for me and they don't want to see me in pain, but they don't really understand. So we have to make it known because even looking back, I would have asked more deliberate things of my friends, asked more deliberate things of my mom and my family. And I wouldn't have felt so, I wouldn't have felt any guilt for asking. Again, that role of intuitive understand what you're feeling and don't feel ashamed um especially not as a new mom no role for shame yeah i think that's interesting because yeah you know when you instantly said that i was like yeah setting the expectations and having those conversations um sounds like something i would do in every other thing but i'm remembering my mom you know acting like it was nothing like this is what you're supposed to do be strong right we don't have that and I thought it would make me look weak yes if I needed more than what she was offering so every time she came over and offered you know an hour or 30 minutes or just dropped off something and left I accepted it and I didn't complain because I did not want to look like I couldn't do it and I think um, that is how some women, many women get caught up in postpartum to begin with, just that resistance of um, pushing down their feelings. Um, and when you are you know, isolated alone on that island um, with those emotions, you are disconnected from everything else that is real and true. Um, so I definitely think that we've touched on uh, what we're moving into next. And that's the five to 10 things that women who are trying to get pregnant should be doing. And I would say number one is be clear about what's going to happen and have clear agreements, boundaries, and get your expectations vocalized um, as you are about to go into this process. I mean, even before you get pregnant, I think that's the perfect time to really be clear on, you know, what you want it to look like, even if it doesn't, you know, have a plan, I guess. Yes. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. We talk about uh, the birth plan. I feel like the birth plan has gotten a lot of like notoriety over the past couple of years, but there is a wonderful midwife in the Black birthing community, Shafia Monroe, that really digs into the holistic birth plan and really considering all of the things that you lay out there. What are my options? Uh, do I want an OB? Do I want a midwife? Do I want to birth at a birthing center? Do I want to birth at home? You know, do I want to be at the hospital? There's so many different things to include there, including the postpartum care plan, right? Including beautiful rituals like blessing ways, right? Which, you know, just again, make the mother feel watered and loved and covered. So absolutely, it's the birth plan. Um, but understanding that the plan is a guide and it's not a hard and fast document to then look back on and say, oh, I failed because I didn't achieve and I didn't check off these things. That's really important to mention. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think when you're trying to get pregnant, I think um, um, exploring your options before you get pregnant, when you're trying to get pregnant, explore those options ahead of time. I think get mentally and physically prepared. Um, I was thinking about this and I was thinking, you need to clear up any, any family things you have going on because I think that was the that was central to what was going on between me and my mom, you know, clearing up any family patterns, any existing issues um, that can, are gonna make things awkward, 
uh, or that are going to be potentially damaging. Um, obviously, you want to think about your association to drinking alcohol, any vices or whatever that you have before you get pregnant. Um, definitely, I think identify your sources of support. Um, but I was thinking, you know, everybody thinks about when they're pregnant, um, getting super rigid about their exercise and all that type of stuff. But I say you need to get clear on your exercise, your yoga, your meditation, your spiritual practice, all of that as you're trying um, to conceive. Um, and then um, as you're, you know, pregnant, um, then you can put your focus on other things. What, what do you think the focus is for when you're actually pregnant? What are the top five things you could be doing? Uh, definitely a focus on what you're putting into your body. So not just clearing up the vices, but the quality um, of the food that you're getting, which I know can be a tough thing for a lot of women in the Black community because a lot of us are in food deserts, right? But with what is available to you, thinking about how can I make the best of what is available to me, right? Um, when we think about our high prevalence in preeclampsia, which is a blood, pre blood pressure related issue, we want to think about, you know, the salt intake and all of those things. Um, the other thing that I want to mention is making sure that we understand the connection between our self-worth. <laughs> so I guess this goes into, you know, mental, clearing up mental uh, clutter. Understand the self-worth weaknesses that we might have. And I'm saying, I'm giving this tip just from my experience because you need to understand that this is an opportunity for transformation. This is a blessing um, that you're going through and really, really believe in that. Um, the thing that's interesting about your question is currently for women that are pregnant, they're living through a pandemic, right? They're living through, particularly as Black women, um, more social upheaval and seeing these images of um, our people suffering. Um, turn it off, please. I'm, I'm sick. Turn it, turn it off. Be so mindful of what you're consuming. I mentioned food, but uh, be mindful of what you're consuming through your eyes and your ears. You need to surround this new life inside of you with uh, overwhelming amounts of positivity and affirmation, which me leads me to my next tip, which is make a habit of uh, doing affirmations um, for yourself. There are a lot of ones that you can find, but I find that the best affirmation set is the one that you make for yourself that's specific to you and your needs. Yeah. Um, for my son's home birth, I ended up doing a lot of affirmations that made me feel confident and powerful, right? Um, another thing that is, I guess, somewhat pandemic related is just being mindful of the isolation factor because a lot of us, you know, are home and have to be so for the long haul. How are, what, what ways do you have to connect to people so that, so that you're not feeling that social and emotional isolation? What are going to be the ways postpartum? Obviously, people tend to be very protective of their newborns outside of pandemic, now even more so. But what are ways virtually you can connect to, um, you know, online support and, and making sure maybe you have like little check-in appointments um, with people that call you and check in on you, not to annoy you, but just to support you. Um, so those are, yeah, those would be my tips.
Those are really great tips. Those are really great tips. Because when I was thinking about this, I'm thinking like globally, but yes, we, we are in a pandemic. Like I can't just think about this like it's any other time, right? Yeah. Um, it's yeah. a pandemic and there are some very unique challenges that um, mothers will experience. And I think it can be all that more isolating and isolating is not good when you think about the black maternal experience because it's already isolating when things are completely normal. So um that's very important one thing that we haven't touched on though is the role of the partner if there is one in a holistic birth what is the role of the of the partner or the co-parent the role of the partner is to stand in the gap for you of protecting this experience mm -hmm. for you and you know i think that for the partner there can be so much transformation for them too um, speaking for person, from personal experiences, you know, my husband uh, is so grateful for the experience he had to be a part of the experience uh, with my home birth versus the hospital birth we had with my daughter. Um, my hospital birth felt so, he said he felt like a bystander. He felt like, you know, when I broke down and I couldn't go any further and the, the, um, the labor comfort techniques that he had learned weren't working anymore. He felt helpless and disconnected. And I think a large part disengaged versus my home birth. He was an integral part of that. Right. Um, I don't, I, I think that this is just how I birth, but I tend to be like that deer in the woods. Like I go, I go deep into myself and I'm like, turn the lights off, leave me alone. But knowing that um, my husband was there and would and was standing in the gap to protect that experience for me, transformed like every contraction for me. It transformed every surge because with, with each one, I knew that I was just held, right? Um, there was someone there to, uh, you know, give me the things that I need nourishment wise. Um, that role is critical, really, because as you go through your pregnancy, your partner is there learning these things with you um, and becoming educated on the process with you, which is important because we think about birth. It is community. It's that birthing family. It's the birthing parents. Um, their role is critical. And I want to say, you know, for people that may not necessarily be uh, in husband and wife role or people that may be in non-binary non roles, having someone there along with you, not just your partner, is, it's really critical. And it, it's sort of, when I think about this question, I think about the people that don't have that and it sort of breaks my heart, right? Um, but this is why we have, um, we have to stress the idea of like community and seeking those things out and not being afraid to do so because you deserve it. You deserve it no matter your walk or your experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important to touch on that. And it does, I, I couldn't imagine like, like going through the birth process without a partner. Um, I couldn't imagine those first few weeks first few days, yeah. first few hours at home um, without that. Um, but um, it's funny that you say that your husband was um, kind of like a bystander because I feel like um, my husband definitely wasn't. Like he was there kind of in, in the back until he didn't understand something and he was very vocal about the things that he didn't understand. But you know what I didn't appreciate was that um, 
sometimes the doctors and not just one of them because I had two different sets for each pregnancy um, it's, it's like they didn't appreciate that and I could I could see how um, the doulas do get pushback or the midwives do get pushback because they don't even really appreciate questions from anybody else. It's like if they've explained it once or barked it once, right, then um, that's just what it is. And that just solidified for me that there is a need for someone there. Um, and whoever is there with you needs a deep awareness of every state of the process because there are going to be a time where you are not going to be able to ask that question, are not going to be able to say much because you're going to be in pain or whatnot. And they need to understand what's happening. And we need to normalize the fact that partners or whoever's there has got to, um, they have to be a part of it. And that should be encouraged. That shouldn't be something that should be um, very difficult for people to to you know, show up as you know the partner, the birth partner, the yeah, the partner, and, yeah? and and we find that it, that that is traditionally the case in the medical setting, and you know as we go on and we progress and hospital by hospital that changes a bit. Um, I hope that that's not so much the case, but a hundred percent, you know, when with my daughter, you know, my OB was seemed kind of annoyed by the presence of my doula, and I made it very clear that. I would have a doula present at our delivery and there was, you know, a lot of smirking, as you said, a lot of like condescending energy that you get from that person. And, you know, I just want to say for the listeners, this is not to uh, down talk or trash every OB ever, right? Because there are some wonderful OBs out there, but what comes with that wonderful OB and the experiences that they're able to offer birthing families is, as you said, that connection to um, intuition and, and really feeding that um, in the mother and understanding the value of, you know, whoever's on her team, understanding the role of uh, their partner. Those, I, I think that those OBs that get it right are really able to, to do that. And for the ones that are not OBs of color, understanding, hey, I might be coming in with some unconscious bias that I need to check at the door so that this birthing parent can birthing parent, excuse me, can not only, as I said, at the top of the show, come through this um, alive and her and, and the baby come through alive, but thriving and whole and trauma free. Absolutely. Well, this has been absolutely splendid. Um, I am so glad that you were able uh, to join me today. Thank you so much um, for sharing your thoughts, sh sharing your education, sharing um, your experience with us. Um, and we're definitely, we definitely have to have you back on the show. Um, so um, to all of our listeners, thank you so much for joining Lou and I for this special episode highlighting the Black maternal experience. Please go now uh, over to IG, um, to Instagram, and follow Lou as Well Worth Watering, and DM her if you would be interested in having her um, highlight your birth experience on her blog. Uh, we're going to be hosting a very special edition of my Emotional Clarity Challenge during Black Breastfeeding Week, and that is August 25th through August 31st of this year. Um, so go on over to lifeofanimpact.com to learn more and to sign up for this one-of-a-kind healing session packed with educational tips on lactation and connection uh, through spirit and your emotions. Uh, thanks, everybody. Talk soon. Bye. 
Thank you so much for spending time with me today. My hope is that you always consider me a resource for spiritual wisdom and all things soul level. Allow me to offer you some action steps that you can take right now to either start or deepen your own spiritual connection. Connect me to a friend or coworker or relative of yours that needs to hear this episode now. Send it over to them even if you've already told them all about how intuitive guidance can help and they haven't made their move yet. You can follow me at underscore life of an empath underscore on Instagram and then send me a DM so that we can schedule some phone time for you ASAP so you can start a deeper journey for yourself or reach out to me and let me know you want to start the process of supporting the journey of another that wouldn't have access otherwise. You can schedule your initial consult by going to my website at lifeofanempath.com. Email me at Tanisha at lifeofanimpact.com and let me know that you'd love for me to share insights like you've heard on the podcast at your organization, or you would like to explore the possibilities of scheduling ongoing group facilitated emotional clarity or declutter the mind sessions for your team as we move forward toward alignment as a global community. I can't wait to connect with you.